0: Hi and welcome to The Law of Attraction. My name's Laura and I'm a certified life coach, spiritual teacher and a natural intuit with over 20 years of research in psychology and self-improvement. After struggling with my own mental health and overcoming CPTSD and BPD, I've dedicated my life to helping others to transmute their trauma into empowerment. I coach one-on-one, offer monthly healing retreats in Bristol and have online coaching programs. Each week, I'll lead you through a new topic and give you techniques for an array of issues. Good morning, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all doing very well. I just wanted to start with um, a bit of a kind of conversation about some of the things I'm recognizing are going on for myself and a few of my clients at the moment. And I've had a little look at the astrological transits for the month. And if you are not into astrology, maybe think about getting into it because you know, we are, you know, if the moon's powerful enough to pull all the water from one side to the other side of the earth, uh, it probably is powerful enough to do something to you, seeing as you're made out of 80% water. The planets are responsible for our gravitational pull and the precession and everything that is kept our planet and our galaxy in the, in the important, uh settings that allow us to live. So, so maybe don't poo-poo it as it's just those rocks out there that have no, no impact. But I, I do believe in astrology. I have seen a big impact for a lot of things that have gone on in my life. And this isn't just things that I could kind of create through my own self-fulfilling prophecy. This is things that have done that I look in retroactively and, and I see things that have gone on, and it's like, oh my god, no wonder that happened. That makes sense, that makes sense. So give it a go who knows but we've got some big transits going on this month and one of the things that myself and a lot of my clients are all kind of going through at the moment is being pushed to be more congruent in our actions and to be more in alignment so if you are acting out of alignment, you're probably acting from possibly intellect or ego. And neither of these are two spaces that you should really be coming from when you're acting in your life. Because it will lead you to things that aren't quite right for you. And people that aren't quite right for you. Situations that aren't quite right for you. So I'd like to advise you to start to act from your, um, from your intuition. To start to act from your intuition and to start to take a moment to become heart-centered before you do anything. Putting your hand on your heart is this right action. And sit and meditate for a moment with your hand on your heart and see what uh, see what your intuition says. Because I know quite a few of us are being pushed at this moment to stop doing things that don't serve us, stop doing things that aren't in alignment with us. And I think one of the most important things when we're being pushed to do that is to work out how to actually get into alignment with it, with ourselves, into alignment with our true... Higher self or higher purpose. So I just wanted to give a bit of that caveat at the beginning. And if you're interested in the month's transits, please make sure you're following me on Instagram, which is at LaU Attraction, A Law Attraction um and on there I do put up the transits on the morning of the days that are important um and I'll probably pop up like a monthly review um this this uh, today on on stories or something for the whole month um on there because it's quite important to kind of see it all in one go so make sure you follow me on there um and also you know if you're on Facebook you can find me facebook.com slash law of attraction life coaching you can find me um on Facebook there and you'll also be able to see the transits on there if you are not an Instagrammer. So anyway, that out of the way. Today's topic, we're going to be talking a little bit about intrusive thoughts. Now, if you haven't heard of intrusive thoughts, hopefully you'll enjoy this one and you may actually recognise that you've had some intrusive thoughts yourself. If you are somebody who has a you know has has been through trauma has had some traumatic experiences happening to them and may have some level of possibly obsessive compulsive behaviors or uh, some form of PTSD, you probably would have found that you have had some intrusive thoughts. Now, whether or not you know what they were when they were happening to you, it might just be that this podcast puts those pieces together for you to recognise what's going on in your brain. And I've been thinking, last week I talked a little bit about Jeffrey Dahmer, and obviously Jeffrey is kind of in in vogue at the moment with the topics, um, trending hashtags and all that because of the Netflix series that's come out. And I wanted to kind of mention this because I've been thinking about what makes somebody a serial killer, what makes somebody somebody that does these horrendous acts. And I started to go down this pathway a little bit because Jeffrey Dahmer has basically the same mental health conditions as myself. Now, I have never murdered anyone. Um, I've considered it a little bit. No, I'm joking. I mean, we all have, surely. I don't know. (laughs) But, but um, don't admit that on 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 your podcast, Laura. That's <laughs> but no. I mean, the important thing is I think we need to recognise actually that sometimes thinking about these things is actually normal, and that's the whole point of today's podcast to talk a little bit about what intrusive thoughts are and how how can sometimes I've been thinking about intrusive thoughts in relation to to Jeffrey Dahmer, as I said, and I've been thinking about possibly it is the the lack of ability to dissociate from one's intrusive thoughts that may lead you into doing heinous actions such as what Jeffrey Dahmer did. And for me, I've been to some quite a few Buddhist um, meditation retreats and Visiphyana re- retreats where you it's silent, it's meditation, and you're focusing just on yourself. And, you know, that's sort of 10 days of of pretty intensive meditation. And you... I think after a while if you if you if you've practiced meditation or you've done these kind of thought experiments you start to recognize that you are not your thoughts. And if you're hearing this for the first time you might be thinking what in God's name is Laura talking about. But the truth of the matter is is that you you are not your thoughts. Okay? Your thoughts are um an action that your brain Um, takes partakes in and most of the time your thoughts are not coming from a perspective of what is healthy or what is right for you or what is important Um, the brain is a secondary organ so the brain isn't even you know isn't even that that thinking part of yourself isn't even really important in a way and and I know in our society we have we have propped up the, the the intellect as being the most important thing, but I mean I don't think it is because look at the way the world is. You know, um, you know, compassion and a heart centered approach to life is probably the important thing, um, to be honest. And that would that would stop a lot of the heinous things that are going on. And and leading back to Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, having thoughts um, that you want to do something horrific. Um, so obviously Jeffrey must have had a thought at some point that he wanted to. To eat somebody, you know, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, I think, was a cannibal and, and he was a murderer. Um, and I think there was sexual abuse as well, possibly of his victims as well, which is pretty, pretty horrific. But the action, you know, taking that action starts with the thought... You know, most of the things that we've done starts with a thought. And that starts with a thought that is either a well-thought-out one or it's an instantaneous thought that leads from the ego or from the the reptilian part of the brain, which is very unintelligent um, and very reactive. Or it could come from an intrusive thought. And intrusive thoughts, to my mind, are more like um well we like to name them as our our demon you know that these these sometimes these very unhelpful thoughts that we have i do a process with my clients where we where we name that part as our demon and 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 i was talking about the shadow self last week so if you're into that go and have a little look at go and have a listen to last week's podcast about the shadow self because it's about meeting your inner demon and i think a lot of people that maybe don't uh, think a lot. Don't have like high levels of introspection and think about themselves and think about why they think things and all of these kind of things. Um, they may just think that they're their thoughts and they identify with those thoughts. And this might be quite a radical idea. Now, if you've worked for me, worked with me, you you won't you won't find this a radical idea. But you might not have worked with me and you might be finding this as a radical idea. You might be thinking, whatever do you mean, Laura? uh, I am, I am my thoughts, my thoughts are me. But you're not, you are the controller of your thoughts. You are the person who's observing the thoughts. You are that thing that's listening to the thoughts. And, um, you know, in Buddhism, we call it the observer of the thoughts. And it's, it's recognizing that your thoughts are just like words that are playing across the cinema screen of your mind, which is why we all have imaginations. Um, you know, I do, a, I do an exercise with my clients. Um, well, we'll do it now. I'd like you to take a moment to close your eyes. Close your eyes and, and take a deep breath. And I'd like you to take a moment to think about uh, how you are a unicorn. And, and you're a very beautiful unicorn. I'd like you to imagine what you look like as a unicorn. And I'd like you to imagine the colour of your mane. And you can tell me out loud what the colour of your mane is. And what is the colour of your tail? And have you got glitter on you or are you shiny? Is there anything that's pearlescent? What colour is your horn? What colour are your hooves? And sometimes unicorns have magical powers. What is your magical power? Do you have one? And I want you to open your eyes and I want you to look down at your hooves. (laughs) And as you look down at your hooves, you'll realise you have not got hooves, you have feet and hands. And you'll recognise that your thoughts are just fantasies and nonsense that are playing in your mind. And only you'll say, yes, but we were playing a game of imagination. Well, my darlings, you play the game of imagination probably 80% of the time in your life with your thoughts, if you are not somebody who is conscious and aware of your thoughts, because you play the game of imagination of what will happen in the future and what should have happened in the past. Have you played this game? I bet you've played this game. Most of the people that come to me that have problems is they're playing the game of imagination of the thing that happened in the future, the thing that's going to happen in the past. It's, it's, and you're, you're thinking about, oh, well, that should have happened. This should have happened. I should have said that. I should have done this. I should have done that. And then they think of this other side of things for the future where they sit down and they go, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And that could happen. And they worry about things that could happen. You know, my my my, my dog could get sick. My sister could fall over. Uh, I could lose my house. I could, you know, the nuclear war in Russia. They play all these games. Now, all of this is just imagination. It's imagination in exactly the same way as you imagined then with me how you were going to be and what kind of a unicorn you were going to be. But the difference is, is that when you are not attaching yourself, uh, to your thoughts, with the unicorn part, you are attaching sort of reality and yourself to these thoughts that you're that you're having in your head that are not they're not realistic, they're not real, um, and they're not helpful. A lot of the time the the future gazing, the past gazing that we do in our minds is not helpful. And so it's important to recognise that you are just the viewer. You are just the observer of your thoughts. And your thoughts are just things, stories, words that are going across, you know, images that are going across the backs of your eyelids. Just imagine them like that. You don't have to connect to them. You don't have to associate to them. You don't have to feel like that is anything really even to do with you. They're just things that are happening upon their own that, that you don't have to become attached to. And I think that this concept of non-attachment to the thoughts is particularly important if you are somebody that has trauma, um, a- uh, uh, anxiety, or OCD, or some form of an uh, you know an unwanted thought that crops up regularly. So. These unwanted thoughts, these disturbing thoughts, and it could be something along the lines of, um, so for instance, I get them quite a lot when I'm cooking and I will pick up the knife and something in my head will just say, wrists." Now, (laughs) it's not, that's not normal, but it is normal. And it's normal because of the fact that I have spent a very long period of time in my life being suicidal. And I've also been a self-harmer that used to cut myself and so my brain has this protective action now where when I do something that it sees as being dangerous it almost kind of creates this intrusive thought in in some way to kind of recognize the danger but unfortunately if I were to, to attach myself to those thoughts I would be thinking oh my gosh I must be suicidal still oh my gosh I must still want to self-harm and if I acted upon those thoughts I would be in a lot of trouble and so it's very important for us to recognize that we are not our thoughts and to dissociate from some of our thoughts because some of them are just not helpful. They're not helpful. And they are your brain that has gone on some kind of um, over, over the top, overactive um, protection response um, that actually isn't, isn't helpful and is often disturbing and often quite distressing. So if you're somebody that suffers from anxiety or depression or has had trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, you probably would have had some form of this. You can probably relate that at some point in your life you've had an intrusive thought because these are normal and they might not have been so, you know, it might not have been so graphic. It might not have been something like that for you. It might be that you're walking across the bridge and something in your head says, throw your phone in the water, yeah? Um, It might be that you have a drink in your hand and you're talking to something and something in your head says, Throw the water in their face, you know? Um, and I suppose this, this probably comes from where people think that people were possessed, um, you know, in the, in the Dark Ages. Because it does seem a little bit like being possessed. Which is why I like to do the kind of thought, the thought um, process of calling it your demon and, and and trying to look at it as being this third party that's exterior to you because that helps us to, to to dissociate from it and recognise that 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 isn't my thought. That's just Barry the demon and the Barry Barry the demon is a bit of a dickhead and and he's saying silly things because he thinks he's helping but he's not. <laughs> so we just ignore him. Now. People who have symptoms of anxiety and depression, they probably will have had uh, intrusive thoughts. But, but intrusive thoughts happen to everybody. Um, they can have a negative effect, and I think predominantly have a negative effect is if you if you focus on them and you become attached to them and you think there's something to do with you. Oh my god, it's me. I must want to harm myself. It's like no, that's not what's going on. Okay. So the most common types of intrusive thoughts relate to things to do with safety and risk, okay? And this can come in the form of an image where a person might see something happening, Um, for instance, like a a car driving through a crowd of people, Um, or it could be that you are, you know, you're looking after somebody and you might see yourself or somebody else harming or killing another person, Um, or imagining, you know, a loved one fatally injured or dead. Um, New mothers often think about harming or seeing their babies come to harm so it might be that you pick them up and you you think about throwing them at the wall or you pick them up and you think about dropping them um the these i don't know whether anybody else has ever talked about these i don't i have never heard anybody else talk about intrusive thoughts but i mean in all fairness it's not been something that i've really searched out because it was something i spoke to my um therapist about um about quite a long time ago because I was worried about it, and I think the problem is is with intrusive thoughts, there's so much shame. And shame is um is very, very um imprisoning for a human being. When we feel shame, it stops us being able to ask for help. It stops us being able to say, this has happened, and I need help because we're so ashamed of feeling it; it shuts us down entirely. And I don't know if you've watched Big Mouth on Netflix, but the Shame Wizard, the Shame Wizard comes in. It's bloody brilliant. Because please watch it, because the Shame Wizard's fantastic. And and I think that yeah, let's 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 you know, Big Mouth is doing the same thing that I do: is is create the image of a third person, um, in in some great hysterical glory, uh, you know, like their like the you know, the sex, I don't know, were they sex demons or what are they Um, in Big Mouth? And then like the shame wizard and the other things that come in. And I think that when you can kind of set apart um, these parts of ourselves into these kind of ideas of third persons, it helps us to disconnect from them a little bit Um, rather than kind of creating schizophrenia or split mind or anything or multiple personalities. disorder. it's not, that's not what we're doing. It's It's a, it's a, it's a a fantasy that allows you to disconnect from it. But because people attach themselves, their ego to these thoughts, they think that they're the ones that are thinking it. So there must be something terribly wrong with them. And so they don't tell anybody about it. And that just compounds the problem. Because then what they try to do is they try to pretend that the thoughts are not happening. And It just like as if I asked you to not think about a pink elephant, all you can think about now is a pink elephant. And so when you're trying to ignore an intrusive thought, all you're doing is actually focusing on it more. Um, And so... Please, if you're suffering from intrusive thoughts, feel free to reach out to me. My DMs are open on, on Instagram. Uh, you can message me on Facebook. You can, you can message me via hello at lawofattraction.co.uk. If you're struggling with this, please reach out because actually just reaching out and saying, hey, I suffer from intrusive thoughts. These are my most common ones. I don't know why I do it. And I can just go, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. That completely breaks down the shame, which means that you stop focusing on it so much, which means that it goes away. And when you stop identifying with it and you stop feeling ashamed about it, the problem dissipates, okay? And this is why I talk so candidly about mental health and why I don't think having trigger warnings on everything is really important. I don't think having safe spaces where we refuse to talk about stuff, I don't think any of that is helpful. I think that is creating an environment of learned helplessness. You know, I think it's important to let people come to things as they as they do. But but shutting down and pretending that there isn't a problem is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Having safe spaces where we don't talk about things and that's just that's supposed to be the protective action. It's not helpful. The only way through something is through it head first, face first like through the fires of hell. That is the only way that you are going to remedy your mental health or your post-traumatic stress disorder or your depression or your anxiety or your OCD or whatever it is that you're dealing with. So this idea where we want to cosset and mollycoddle people and put them into situations where, you know, where they just... they. I'm a victim and I'm going to stay a victim because I don't want to deal with my my, my things because dealing with stuff is harder. you know the, the work is hard. I've been doing this I've been doing trauma work for for a long time on myself and working with other people. It is not easy. The easiest thing to do is become a drug addict or an alcoholic, you know or or or, or a professional victim. You know that's that's the easiest thing to do. So this is this this work is hard. And if you're doing it, kudos to you, because I promise you that this will lead you to a much more fulfilling life than being a a drug addict or an alcoholic or somebody that numbs themselves with pain pills or food or whatever the hell you're, you know, poisoners or walking around like a professional victim and making everybody else have to bend to you because you are so triggerable because you're not dealing with your mental health stuff. Okay, so if you've got if there's a young person listening to this and you're feeling offended by this, please, please listen to somebody who's been through it and actually has done it and recognize that the longer you stay in victimhood, the longer that you are are perpetuating your mental health issues and ensuring that your life is miserable. Okay, lecture over. (laughs) I get so passionate about this stuff. It makes me furious to see people like trying to trying to keep people in victimhood and 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 rewarding it you know this level of oppression that's going on at the moment where people are being rewarded for being oppressed it's like what in god's name what is this race to the bottom that we're all doing i don't know why anybody want to be a victim it's covert narcissism that's what it is if you want to call it out call a spade a spade it's covert narcissism if you're somebody that wants to be a professional victim and have people bend to your will and whim because you're triggering and you think you're more important because you had something happen to you you're a narcissist and you need to go and get checked that's it period okay moving on so intrusive thoughts guys this is they are very normal the longer that you try to ignore them the worse it's going to get okay having random thoughts is a natural human phenomenon okay Thoughts that just come into your mind and and, uh, that are weird and you don't quite know where they came from, you're not sure what you're thinking, that's very normal, okay? You don't have to attach to your thoughts, you don't have to use them, you don't have to think of them as being anything other than a thought. And what's really important is that we disconnect from the thoughts, that they are just things that are happening within our brain as a normal, natural human phenomenon of your physiology rather than it being something that you have to connect to or attach to. So intrusive thoughts are often what we would call ego dystonic, which means that they are the opposite of what we actually intend to do. Okay, And this is really, really important to recognize that your intrusive thoughts are the opposite of the things that you want to do. And the probably the nicer you are, the worse they'll be. Okay, and the more traumatized you've had, you've been, is the worse that they'll be, because obviously the you know the more traumatized, the more bad things you've experienced, the bigger that that part of the spectrum is for you. So <clears throat> you may have these horrible things that are appalling and terrifying and horrible, and 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 it's really important just to look at them as thoughts, particularly if you have compu- a obsessive compulsive disorder, and just recognise that they haven't got any meaning, that you don't have to fixate on them okay that um you know these these thoughts that you're having are just silly thoughts and they don't mean anything just as much as you are not a unicorn you're also not somebody that wants to stamp on a cat's head you know these these intrusive thoughts that come in are just thoughts that pop in and often they're thoughts that come in in a way to have a protective action towards bad things happening to us in the future it's just a really bizarre and skewed way of doing it and because people often identify with their thoughts and they think they are their thoughts it can leave them feeling like they're a psychopath or that they're a wanted murderer that they've got horrible thoughts that that are coming into their mind and it creates this guilt and shame that they're very frightened to go and tell anybody because they're worried that somebody's going to be frightened of them that they're worried that, you know, it's going to be that, I don't know, maybe the police are going to get involved. All of these kind of things that we, again, we are making up in our heads. So I just want to tell you that one, imp- intrusive thoughts are normal. And two, it's really important that you don't push them away. Okay. By trying to block them out and eliminating it, then that it is that process of trying to, you know, not picture a pink elephant after I told you not to do that. You know, by the trying to stop them, you'll actually only feed into them more and enforce them more, okay, and this can create much more stress, particularly if you're suffering from OCD, much more stress, much more obsessive compulsive behavior, um, and, 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 and you can go into some self-soothing actions, because most of this stems from anxiety, so for instance, um, I tell, okay, last, last year in the pandemic, I had a, um, uh, some memories crop up of, um, uh, some, molestation that had happened to me when I was a child okay we said it we said it there you go get it out I'm in an hour in so this was um a lot for me at the time I started to get flashbacks and nightmares and I felt very very unsafe I wasn't able to sleep with my window open um I had to go down and check doors like three four times I couldn't even have my wardrobe door open um because I was frightened things were going to come out of the wardrobe which is silly but it, but it, 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 but that's how it felt. That's how I was feeling at the time. I was having flashbacks. I wasn't sleeping. Um, and very, very high stress levels. Very, very high levels of fear. Um, walking around hypervigilant. Had to have my car doors locked. All of these sorts of things. So this was going on last year. I think the year before. Um, obviously in the background, because I'm a professional, guys. You might have noticed I'd gotten a little bit more frazzled. But I certainly I wasn't really talking about this at the time. Because i i was going through it and for me i need to kind of process things on my own before i can kind of say anything to anybody about it so process that i'm fine now um so but it <clears throat> one of the things that, one of the things that was leading to all of these thoughts was this, was that I'd had an, had something that traumatic had happened to me and then I'd created these compulsive behaviours such as re- checking doors and locking doors and locking windows and things because it was, a, because it, it was reassuring myself, it made me feel like I was safer. So that's, it makes sense why people are doing things. But once things go into obsessive compulsive, this is where they get out of check and they're problematic, okay? So I would say checking your door once when you go to bed is a normal thing. Okay, that's just, I would say that's sensible. Checking your doors ten times is obsessive compulsive. Okay, and the difference between something being a healthy coping mechanism and something being a problematic coping mechanism is—is is there that facet of obsession and compulsion there? Um, I had a good question from somebody the other day. She said that she smokes weed every now and again and she she enjoys it calms her down is that a problem she's like is this addiction is this is this is this a problem and the answer it goes the same obviously I'm you know this is my opinion but the answer goes the same is it obsessive is it compulsive because if it isn't obsessive and compulsive then it's just recreational if it is obsessive and compulsive so for instance something bad happens and you have to go and smoke or you're having to smoke three, four times a day to make sure that you stay on that even keel, or that you can't go without it for a few days, okay? If there's that obsession and compulsion to the behavior, then you're looking at something that's problematic, okay? And that goes across the board for anything, you know, um, drinking too much coffee, eating too much food, um, relationships, um, behaviors, whatever it is. If it's obsessive and compulsive, then it needs to be looked at. Um... So is smoking weed problematic? No. It's just, uh, if you're having a couple of glasses of wine on a Friday night or you're having a couple of tokes on a joint on a Friday night, what is the difference? You know, what's the difference? Um, you know, and I think if you can drink recreationally, and that's socially accepted, you should be able to smoke recreationally. Obviously, I'm not suggesting anybody does anything illegal. Um, and I'm only talking about people who are living in states and cities where where... Marijuana, Mary Jane, Mary Johanna is legal because I wouldn't advocate publicly for anybody to do anything illegal. Obviously, sorry, my lawyer's just sitting here telling me, <laughs> saying like, you can't say that, you can't say that online, Laura, you can't say that. So. <clears throat> Acknowledge that you're having intrusive thoughts. Acknowledge that there's something wrong and then and then move on from it. Acknowledge that you're thinking something and then kind of just acknowledge it. Well, that was a silly thought. You know, I had a thought and that was a thought and all. You uh, know, you don't have to act upon it. You don't have to deal with it. If it is something that is causing you a lot of problems and you can go and look into CBT, uh, CBDT. <laughs> CBT, we me talking about cannabis there. CBT. Um, you can can have a look into cognitive behavioral therapy that can help you to understand why you're having intrusive thoughts and learn some techniques to manage them. But they probably will do the same thing as what I'm telling you to do, is not not attached to it. Recognize that you are not your thoughts. Develop some healthier coping mechanisms to calm you down in that moment, which is like things like vagal nerve resets, um, breathing exercises, grounding exercises. And I'll leave some links to those um, down below so you can take a little look at that. And then looking at, just clearing up some of the obsessive compulsive side of the post-traumatic stress or anxiety or depression that is leading to these anxious thoughts. And so to answer my own question earlier, what makes somebody a serial killer? I wonder if it is that they are having intrusive thoughts and they are not disconnecting from them. They are thinking that that thought is something that they want to do and therefore they go on to do it. And so is disconnecting from our intrusive thoughts important? Well, if my theory on serial killers is correct, then yes, yes, it is important. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Something that I wanted to tell you a little bit about is that I've set up a um, premium subscription on um anchor.fm which i think you can access via um spotify for the podcast where monthly if you sign up you're going to get a subliminal track every month that helps to focus on changing some of these behaviors whilst we sleep by targeting the subconscious and i'll also be looking into doing like you know a a podcast a week which has got special content for you guys so if you're interested in signing up for that i think it's 2.99 a month which is less than a coffee um and it will give you some of those really strong um like the the skeletal stuff that helps to change some of these behaviors on top of doing the conscious thinking. It starts to target. With the subliminal tracks, you are targeting your subconscious. And I've used subliminal messaging and subliminal tracks with myself and my clients for for years and they are very very effective so if you're into that make sure that you sign up and you can get access to those exclusively these subliminal tracks will not be accessible to anybody else other than my premium premium content subscribers on spotify and within kind of my coaching groups. So I hope that you're interested in that. Take a little look at the details um, down below and I'll speak to you all next week. Take care of yourselves, guys. I love you very much. Don't worry about intrusive thoughts. Don't worry about a pink elephant and don't watch Jeffrey Dahmer on Netflix because it was a bit gross. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you've got any questions or queries or things that you'd like answered in the next podcast, you can get in touch via my email, hello at lawofattraction.co.uk. And all of the ways that you can contact me through social media, etc., is down in the show notes. So I look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.